Parenting is a full-time job, and providing effective support for today's teens can be challenging. The Parent Engage 360 podcast aims to provide connections and information from experts in the fields of chemical health, mental health, internet safety, and more. It's a comprehensive view on parenting, provided in a personal, convenient format. Tune in to today's episode of the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. Hi, everyone. I'm Liz Burgard, Parent Involvement Coordinator. I'm excited for this episode as we discuss substance use in youth, ways parents can support their students, and a new partnership between Anoka Hennepin and Hazelton Betty Ford. Joining us today are Colleen O'Neill and Cindy Doth. Colleen is a chemical health prevention specialist with the district, and Cindy is a youth and school outreach manager with Hazelden Betty Ford and in partnership with the school district. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Hello. Thank you for having me. Let's just jump right in. Cindy, can you tell us about your work as a youth and school outreach manager and a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm incredibly excited about this new partnership and what we'll be doing with Anoka Hennepin. Part of my role is to physically go into the schools or right now virtually go into the schools and meet with students that have any kind of substance use difficulties. So they might identify that they've had a problem with substances. They might have had some kind of violation. There might be a parent that recognizes that there's a concern. And so I have the opportunity to meet with them, get to know them a little bit more, and then help make referrals that would be appropriate for them specifically right back out into the community. That sounds like a really um, interesting opportunity that you have to work closely with our students. And right now it's more of a virtual option, but I'm assuming when we go back to in-person learning, it will transition to the school day. Is that correct? Yeah, I think a lot of that also depends on the needs within the school community. Mm -hmm. There is an ability to meet with students virtually, which oftentimes is one of the best ways that we've seen to have them connect. They're on their tablets, they're on their phones, they're on their computers all the time. So it's a really comfortable medium for them. And so having the ability to to meet with students virtually ends up being a great option. However, we also know that within this population of individuals that struggle with substances, in-person oftentimes is another really great way to connect with them, to build that rapport and the trust. So I, I think everything is open and on the table depending on, on where really kind of COVID and the schools take us. I think that as adults, we have had to learn to pivot to use technology. So it's nice to have both at our fingertips now. Colleen, did you always know that you wanted to work in the field of chemical health? And can you tell us about the work that you do to support students in our district? Um, well, did I always want to work with youth with chemical health? Um, I can't say that specifically when it came to chemical health that I knew I always wanted to work with young adults. And I just, you know, it, it just led me to this field. And having worked with adolescents for 20 plus years, I knew that there were a lot of underlying challenges when it came to substance use and a lot of minimization. And minimizing will eventually lead to something bigger if we don't address it and tackle it head on. So um, the two worlds came together for me, perfect. And within the district, my job is really just to oversee those services that we put in place and make sure that we have the appropriate services available to students, staff, and to the 
broader community. So it's exciting. I'm extremely proud to work in this district because they recognize the importance and the value of this position and of supporting students in that manner. Thanks for sharing a little bit about what led you to the work and this really cool new partnership that Anoka Hennepin now has with Hazleton Betty Ford. For the better part of eight months, we have been part of a pandemic. This has caused many of us to alter the way we do things, especially for youth in regards to school, activities, social interactions, pretty much everything we do has been altered in some way. Knowing this, what have you seen as some of the impacts on student and youth substance use in our schools or in the broader community? Have you noticed any trends or changes? I have specifically, I just recently read a study about how the pandemic has impacted youth. And within this study, it discussed how roughly 25% of students end up breaking the social distancing guidelines and stay-at-home orders in order to use face-to-face, which to me was just totally fascinating. Not only are they putting themselves at risk for them getting COVID, it also just speaks to that relationship between substances and them, right? That they're willing to go to what lengths in order to have that next drink and drug. And it, it hurts my heart that so young individuals are so connected to that substance. Well, and we also know that risk factors have increased for our youth during the pandemic. And one of those risk factors is what Cindy just talked about, the fact that they're being isolated. And when you're isolated and you're young, that's a risk factor. And students don't think of it the way we as adults do. They just know that they need to have those connections. And, you know, that creates additional risk factors that eventually lead to some bad choices and bad behavior and bad decisions. We also know that research has shown that disaster exposure often results in increased substance use among adolescents. And while I think both Cindy and I can say we know that use is increasing, we don't have the data to support that right now, given the current circumstances. But if we're looking at history, we need to prepare ourselves for what's going to be on the back end. You know, and I would even add to that, Colleen, too, you're absolutely right. Hard data to be able to try to find. They are starting to do some research around some of the statistics with how COVID has impacted youth. But I think one of the ones that I recently read was that nearly 50% of young adults are experiencing major depressive symptoms ever since COVID had started, which again, when we look at that relationship between substance use and mental health, Like they are so enmeshed. They absolutely are. And so not only is there this increase in substance use, there's an increase in mental health signs and symptoms, which they mask and mimic each other and they fuel each other. The more mental health symptoms that we see, it puts them at a higher risk than for substance use as well. Yeah. I think that that's a great point that we've talked about it on a couple of our podcasts how the two are intermixed together. It's not just one or the other, it's both potentially. So I think that's a really great point for parents that are listening to this podcast as well. Both of you do work really closely with teens and people that support students. What have you seen as the overall attitude around substance abuse? And has anything surprised you as you've continued to learn some new things about youth and substance abuse or mental health concerns? I think, you know, in, in my current role, I'm a little more distanced from working directly with the students. But 
I'm seeing things from a different angle right now. And I think what I am really happy about, which sounds kind of crazy, but I'm happy about the fact that we're starting to look at the need to break down the stigma around substance use and misuse. And adults are starting to kind of rally around that. And the educators in our district are recognizing the importance that both mental health and chemical health play within each other and the importance of, you know, recognizing that and then removing barriers to support. Because both Cindy and I being in the field recognize that if we can't catch these young people at an earlier age and get them to go down a different path or help them see the importance of making different choices, they will end up possibly in a lifelong battle. And that's where the addiction really kind of fuels itself. So to look at it from a prevention aspect and to have the people in the district, the educators, staff, and even students start to recognize that we need to have conversations around this, I think is key. And I'm very, very excited and happy about that. And I would add on to that too, Colleen, kind of circling back to the partnership with the district. It's because of exactly what you said, that the earlier we can intervene, the better the outcome for the student. And we know that the administration, the staff, the support staff, the teachers, the counselors, everybody within the district ends up having so much contact with those students that they offer those great eyes to help make the referral sooner, right? When we see that a reduce in grades, difficulties with attendance, changes in peer groups, those are some key indicators that can identify substance use. And so for the district to be able to get those struggling students in front of a licensed professional to be able to make that clinical screen to make appropriate referrals to community resources. It really ultimately turns out to be better for the student because we're able to intervene earlier. And that's one of the things that I appreciate about the district is that that we do, we can intervene early. And we get to collaborate and work with mental health. So, you know, this is a process. Even though we already have an existing relationship with Know the Truth, they've been really supportive with working in a group situation. But now that we're able to really look at individual needs and really collaborate with the other partners that we have in the district beyond chemical health, I think is really key to what Cindy just said. The fact that we can intervene and help change that direction and the outcome. I heard some really great points that you guys said about, first off, it takes a village, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's not just one person that helps one student. It's all of us working together to support each other. And then also, once we all are working together to really support the students in our district and outside of our district, that early intervention is key. And knowing the warning signs to look for and having the relationship with a student to say, hmm, I notice that something's off or something's a little bit different. And then lastly, clean. I liked what you said about breaking down the stigma. I know that mental health and substance use often aren't talked about freely. And sometimes it's not just a conversation that parents have together or students have together. And I think that that is a really great point that it is important to have the conversation and it's important to know that it is okay. And as they enter into early adulthood to really support them to be the healthiest adults that they can be. Yep, absolutely. 
Hazelden Betty Ford is a world-class provider of addiction and mental health services and has five locations right here in the Twin Cities. With their National Center for Youth and Families in Plymouth, Minnesota, having been named a center of excellence by multiple insurance providers. Services include inpatient and outpatient addiction treatment services, mental health and virtual services, family and children's support, as well as recovery support. For more information about Hazelden Betty Ford, visit hazeldenbettyford.org. Or to learn more about the district's partnership, contact Colleen O'Neill, Anoka Hennepin Schools Chemical Health Prevention Specialist. Before the break, we talked about the students in our district and the work that you guys do. This podcast is directed towards parents, and we know that parenting is a challenge during a pandemic. When we're not in a pandemic, it's just very hard sometimes to be parents. So can you provide us with tips on how parents should approach a situation when they feel that their child is using or are maybe questioning if their child is using substances? One of the things that immediately comes to mind is the idea of looking for some of those early signs. To keep it super simple, sneaking, hiding, and lying are oftentimes the first things that we end up identifying when there's some kind of substance use going on. The sneaking around, the hiding of things, and the dishonesty, they go hand in hand with substance use. So if a parent were to identify any of that sneaking, hiding, and lying related to substance use, my first suggestion really would be to have a conversation with them and to be engaged in that conversation. This isn't a lecture about what their maybe parental experiences were like around substance use. It isn't about telling them, no, you shouldn't do this and naughty, naughty, naughty and shame on you. It's really about reflective listening, active listening, really being able to get into their world about what is putting them in a position to use. Is this through peer pressure? Is this about managing their emotions? Is this about trying to fit in and really understand their perception and their experiences with it? It will take down that level of defensiveness like magic. I mean, it really allows for an open and honest dialogue. And then the other piece with that is to have that conversation frequently. This isn't just a one and done thing. Having those conversations with the young people around their use and checking in with them. And as a parent, I've got two children of my own, really being able to let them know what are your expectations around substance use? What boundaries and parameters do you have that being able to say, I don't support drinking of alcohol until you're 21, you know, and really being able to make those boundaries clear all become preventative factors. Yeah, Cindy, I love everything you said. The first thing that I thought of is listen, listen, listen. And I would also follow up with do not have that conversation in a heated moment. Oftentimes will be better if you say, listen, we need our space. I'm going to have you, you know, head to your room or whatever. I need time. Let's talk about this tomorrow. And that way it's not emotionally heated. You're able to really talk about individual concerns. And then lastly, I would also add, make I statements. As your parent, I am very concerned about some of the choices. I am worried what's driving the choice. You know, is it peer pressure? Is it anxiety? Or, you know, what is it? And really work with them, not against them. So, yeah. Definitely support everything Cindy just said and everything we've said are the most challenging things to do as a parent. 
I mean, we know that. We know that. I have kids in their 30s and I still have a hard time with it. So, I mean, I'd love to tell you all that it gets easier. But actually, it does get easier when you have those frequent conversations. I think a lot of times the reasons why the conversations don't go well is because parents don't feel comfortable. And when we don't feel comfortable and we're in the parent role, we're expected to have all the answers, but we don't. And then that comes out sideways in how we are talking with our kids. So I think like you had said, Kalina, it is sometimes hard to have that conversation and you don't really know how to say, and it's kind of awkward. And so some things I'm thinking around that too, are either writing some things down, writing some notes of what you're seeing, practicing in the mirror and having that conversation or asking one of your friends to say, Hey, I need to have a tough conversation with my child. And I just want to talk it through with someone and practice a little bit because I do know that it is sometimes awkward and it's hard to at least have that initial conversation. And I think the more that you do it, the easier it becomes. And you can do that check-in frequently, like you had said, Cindy, which then makes it just part of the dialogue you have with your children on the regular versus that one time and you're done. You can check that off your list. We know that that's not the case. Right. One of the other pieces that I think is so important when having those really difficult conversations with the young people is to really immerse yourself into their world. Allow them to educate you on what their experiences are, how they feel when they might be using, and to ask those open-ended questions, right? That if we just kind of come at it of like, what is this? You know, if you're, as you're holding up a vape, like it's, that's not going to go well. But allowing them to say, can you tell me about vaping? Can you tell me about the weed I found in your room? And it, it's not accusatory. You just want to know more so that you can also then choose how you need to act and react after, you know, clean, like you said, taking that break, allowing yourself emotionally to cool down so that you can come at it with a really rational, logical head. Well, and I think that's the beauty in what you and I get to do with these young people. When we have those conversations and they recognize we're not going at them, that we truly are just like, well, teach me. Without even recognizing it, their whole demeanor relaxes. And that's when they are their most vulnerable and their most honest, for the most part. So that's where our training allows us to really know where to go with that, how to navigate that, and what next steps are with that conversation. The other thing I do want to point out to parents is please be very careful and try not to discuss about what your own experiences were. Because we are looking at a very different time, not just because of the age that we are right now at this moment, but it is a very different time when it comes to the strains of marijuana and the potency. And I think it's really important that we don't get our own experiences confused with what their experiences are, because the weed of the 1980s was maybe four or five percent, you know, as far as the level of THC, whereas now with vaping, it could be upwards to 98 percent pure. So we're talking a very different type of marijuana, and we're talking about a very different type of strain that when we're looking at young brains that are still developing, the damage is much more than what it was back in the 80s or the 90s. So try not to compare experiences and minimize. Don't minimize because that gives them reason to minimize. 
honestly, as adults, kids know way more than us about most things, right? Like they're way more connected and they have their fingertips on things and can educate us on so many different topics if we just ask the question and let them talk. In closing, do you have any recommendations or supports from websites, resources, podcasts, or organizations for people to follow on social media that our parents could reach out to if they are looking to learn more? I would say for the parents in the district to start at the chemical health resource page. Always feel free to send an email out to me, call me. Same with accessing Cindy, same with accessing those supports with Know the Truth. But I would say start with that or talk to your school counselor and ask them to put you in contact. But I think for us as a district, one of the things I am most grateful for with Hazel and Betty Ford is their wealth of information and their expertise. There is so much available and so much available to not just young people, but for families, for parents and I'll let Cindy talk on that a little bit more. One of the awesome things that I think Hazelden has done in response to the pandemic and our need to really pivot to help support those families, we have a one-day virtual family program that is for parents where you don't need to have a client in treatment at all, that it's, it's open to anybody and everybody. It's one day, it's at no cost, and it is virtual to help keep everybody in the community safe. And it provides a ton of education around substance use, some coaching with parenting, when to be concerned, when not to be concerned, and really how to help support that young one when you see any kind of substance use. I think that's one of the greatest resources that we offer for families. We also have a ton of other information around tips and tricks about how to be able to help support your young person. We have a ton of different levels of care that if needed can be an option. But, you know, like we've talked about previously, the ability to intervene earlier, the better. And, and we really feel that that is within the school setting. Thank you so much, Colleen and Cindy, for sharing some of your expertise today. Some takeaways I learned are that students and parents are not alone. Make sure that you ask questions and talk about chemical use, talk about mental health, have the conversation with your child and have it frequently. And then also breaking down the stigma and asking for help or attending the, the training that you just mentioned, the free virtual training, that there is support for you as a parent and or a student if you are feeling like you need to have the conversation with someone. And thank you so much for sharing the information with me and our listeners. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening. This resource is produced as a partnership between the Anoka Hennepin Parent Engagement Program and Student Services Department. Be sure to check out additional episodes in the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. For more information or to share feedback, visit ahschools.us slash parentengage360.